Hi everyone. Um, welcome to episode one of Leadership Vice. I'm your host Angela Govilla, and before we get started, I'd love to share a little bit of background about me and give you the why behind this podcast. I consider myself extremely lucky to have grown up and lived in different parts of the world. I was born, raised, and have now lived in four different countries in 15 cities, and at the moment, I'm based in Seattle. My day job involves product and program management in fintech. I've worked with Capital One, Ernst and Young, and GE. My undergrad is in information sciences from Penn State, and lately I've been fanatic about artificial intelligence. So um, I got this idea of starting this podcast while watching some political satire on Trump a few weeks ago. The current political climate in America is quite divisive, and while this podcast is not on politics. The topic of leadership, diversity, and inclusion has been on my mind, and has been at the forefront of my mind lately. In fact, um, it's near and dear to my heart because I've moved around so much, and I've always just had to find a way to fit in, especially as women in technology. So, growing up, my friends were an eclectic mix of religions and ethnicities: Indians, Arabs, Pakistanis, Ethiopians, Malaysians—you name it—and um, Early on, I learned that we're all human, and that we're all made from the same fabric. Even if we don't look, talk, or, or you know, even act alike, right? So years of adapting to different cultures has paid dividends throughout my life. However, I often find in corporate America, people tend to forget that they tend to forget that we're all human. And while we may have different upbringings, backgrounds, value systems, we're all alike. As a core, so that's why we're doing the show to show that we're all alike, while we may be very, very different at the core. I'm sorry, at the surface. So the format of this show uh, is as follows: uh, I'm planning to do this every few weeks. We're going to invite a guest speaker for every show, and we're going to ask them five questions around leadership, diversity, and inclusion. All guests will be asked the same question. I have deliberately chosen the speakers um, from my circle who I know really well, and I can vouch for their insight. They're from different industries and backgrounds. And also, one rather boring fact about me: I love hearing different opinions and perspectives to broaden my own thinking. And this is where I'm hoping our listeners would find the conversations meaningful as well. We will shape up the forum based on your feedback. So please do drop us a line. You'll find all the information in the show notes. You can find me on LinkedIn or my website, AngelaGovilla.com. There'll also be a quick survey in the show notes. Always open to feedback, good, bad, or the ugly. And one last thing: if you like the concept and you like the show, I am looking for sponsors. So with that, let's get started with our first episode and our first guest. So today we're joined by Arthi Ranganathan, who is a senior manager with Capital One's auto finance team. Based in Dallas, and she's also a close personal friend. Welcome to the podcast, Arthi. Thank you for joining us. Hey, Angela. Thank you. It's a pleasure being here. Awesome. So, um, why don't we get started with just a little bit of your background? Why don't you tell our listeners a, a little bit about yourself? Sure. So, to start off with, I have got. Uh, I was not raised in poor countries or city cities. Um, <laughs> I was raised in. I was born and raised. I lived the first 20 years of my life in one city in India, Chennai. 
um, I finished my undergrad there in engineering and I moved to a different city in India for my first job post my undergrad. I was a programmer, uh, worked for a couple of years and then moved to the United States to do my uh, master's in business administration from the University of Illinois, Urbana-Champaign. Um, work, I mean, I interned at Sears Holdings Corporation, did a few jobs, uh, like smaller consulting, boutique consulting uh, jobs through the university. Uh, and finally, I landed um, in a company called Peabody Energy. Uh, at that time, um, they were the largest uh, private sector coal mining company. Um, I was part of the leadership development program. Um, I worked there for a year, but I uh, resigned at that point because I got married and my husband was based in DC and we decided to live in DC while my job actually was based in St. Louis. So I moved to the DC area, uh, tried a couple of uh, smaller companies, um, actually one to be specific, didn't like it and then I joined Capital One. I've been with Capital One for six years now. I started as a principal analyst, um, now as Angela mentioned, I'm a senior manager. Um, I've been in the analytics and closer to the decision sciences work. Um, it's mostly strategy analytics. I was doing it for retail bank and the branch operations strategy group. And now I am doing sales strategy in the auto finance um, uh, space. So yes, I'm, I was in DC, moved to Dallas a couple of years ago, uh, been, always in Capital One, and the journey's been great. So that's pretty much that's my background in a, in a nutshell for you. That's awesome. Thank you, Arthi. Um, how was you moved around quite a bit too. While it may not be in the first 20 years of your life, you moved around a lot in the U.S. How was that initial sort of transition coming from India um, and going to UIUC, and which is a great engineering school, of course, so congratulations on that. So how was how was that transition for you? Do you remember? It was a while back, but... So, um, to be completely honest, uh, yes, so it was, it, was a, uh, it was a major transition, but I think the transition was less cultural for me and more from going back from work to uh, being a student. The reason being, I used to travel to uh, United Kingdom for work when I was based in India. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I started interacting with folks from different parts of the world as part of my work even before I joined school. Um, so yes, it was still, uh, it, I won't say it was easy, it was still a hard transition in terms of lifestyle. I, like, it's not just about people, right? Geographical conditions. I come from yeah. one of the hottest regions in India, and I went <laughs> to one of the colder regions in the United States. Yeah. Uh, well, I loved. I, that was the first time I actually saw snow. It was. It was. I thought it was super exciting. Small things like that stuff mattering, right? Yeah. Um, but oh, by I mean, overall, uh, I felt at least. I may be living in a bubble. At that point, I did feel that people were, were super accepting of um, the people from different areas, people from different backgrounds. I loved the interaction model I had with folks in my school, my professors, classmates, every, uh, everywhere, everywhere in the city. Um, I loved the experience. It was fantastic. Did I struggle for moving? Uh, being a very technical person to so suddenly doing marketing, learning marketing courses, doing other things. Yes, I did. So the people aspect was just fantastic. That's awesome. That sounds like a great experience. So I'm going to skew the conversation towards our sort of um, one of the first questions jumping into the core content here. So the question is, what does leadership mean to you? 
So leadership uh, can be viewed differently at different stages of your life and career. Um, if you had asked me this question a year and a half ago, my answer would have started with something like, "Hey, I want to work for a leader like," and whatever that answer is. Hmm. But now, where I am in my career and journey, my thought process starts with, "I want to be the kind of leader that," you know, it's about where I am in life. Hmm. But not surprising, both thoughts may start the thought started very differently. but i think they end the same way because this is be- that's because you want to be the leader that you want to work for right correct correct yeah so there are two three uh, things that i've been very very deliberate about uh, mm. setting up and i'm and i'm hoping i mean that's reflecting and i think it's reflecting with my team and the uh, folks that have had and are working for me um the first thing is trust right when i say trust um that the word is thrown around a lot but let me explain what i mean by trust okay um i make it a point to understand what matters to my team and assigning and delegating responsibilities that match skill sets and desire makes a lot of difference and um i've been lucky enough to have managers and leaders that i worked for who taken care of me that way right i've i've learned from my leadership to do whatever i'm doing today right um helping my associates align their individual goals with the organizational goals has been key in getting team team output team results folks folks and enga- associate engagement etc mm-hmm. um gaining their trust that you have their back with what they want out of their career helps skyrocket with your results helps your results skyrocket right and any investment i feel like the biggest investment i've made in my team my leaders made was in me and my i'm making in my people and i think we should get this right every time we all we all make tech investments we all make investments in our business processes and strategy but i think nothing goes nothing becomes more important than the people aspect of things and that has reflected either in me working for somebody awesome or me being that leader that i want Um, That's great, Arti. So, probing a little bit further, I mean, trust is the linchpin of everything. How have you built that trust with your team? So, one thing, right? So, um, not it's not there's no silver bullet here. It's not like mm. you do it do something one time and that keeps your trust always. It's the constant. You make a commitment to your team and you act on the commitment, right? And I say make a commitment to your team. It's not like. Hey, I guarantee you you get a promotion this year. That's not the kind of commitment. The commitment is what are your strengths? What are your opportunities? How do I help you showcase your strengths? How do I help you develop develop on those opportunities? And how do I set you up for success? You make that individual commitment to every associate and deliver on those commitments, right? Um and it's also about how you help your team manage perception with their customers, whether it be it internal customers or uh, external customers. I think those are some of the things that you actively work on for every associate and you have to customize your approach based on who the person yeah. is. Yeah. Um and that does that does automatic trust and seeing that consistent treatment and action is what builds trust and while it takes a long time to build that trust one wrong move could break that trust right so you always want to so Yeah. Yeah, no you're so I mean, right. I mean that's all I can think of when I think of trust. 
Yeah, trust is very fragile. It just has to be managed closely, right? And we're talking about all the right things to do to build trust and then maintain it. Mm-hmm. So, in your um, current role, so as you've sort of progressed within Capital One, you've had a great career there. You've obviously also changed offices, changed teams, had different managers. What's been your perspective um, around diversity? So, this is now getting into our other question around diversity. So, what does diversity mean to you? Uh, so, di- diversity. Um, so, okay, people from different parts of the world bring in, bringing in different kinds of experiences and being heard. And I always think of diversity and inclusion together. I apologize mm. if you're trying to those two. No, that's because, absolutely fine. We should bundle it together. It goes together. Yeah, because I don't think uh, you could have a diverse environment if there's no inclusion. Um, <laughs> so anyway, and that's diversity, right? Um, so to be honest, I've not spent a lot of time thinking about this as I've been super fortunate to work in an organization that does that for me. Um, Capital One is actually extremely committed to building a diverse and an inclusive environment, but it comes naturally. I don't want to say if it's, I don't know if it's natural, but at least it appears natural to most associates in the firm, right? Um, yes, uh, are there outliers? I'm sure there are. Um, uh, but the experiences I've had have been pretty phenomenal. The teams I've worked with, people of, and before I go into that, right, I don't want to mm. uh, put diversity in a box to just, just talk about race or ethnicity and gender, because or uh, these seem to be the most to- uh, common topics of uh, diversity. Yeah. Right? When anyone yeah. thinks of diversity, they think of that. It could be just that. I, I work in a different economy, right? I bring the kind of experience that I do because I work in a different part of the world. Now, you were raised in four different countries. You bring the kind of experience and knowledge that somebody else may not have. Those things also count as diversity. And um, once we try to embrace all the aspects of uh, diversity, the right that, that's when you get this right, right? And not restricting yourself to, hey, it's diversity, we're diverse, so we have people of all colors, or people of all, uh, both genders or all genders in the in the room, right? I think it should be beyond that, and that's my take on it. Um, it's about what experiences you bring, what can you bring, what do you bring to the table that somebody else doesn't, and how do we take that and run forward? Um, yeah, you you hit the nail on the head. That's exactly how my approach to it is as well. Um, I think the most common things that people reflect on is the the things we see at the at the surface, right? But at the core, it truly is about different perspectives. We may all just look alike. It may just be all Indian girls in the room, for example, but we have such different backgrounds and thinking and experiences that we can share. So you kind of hit the nail on the head there. I completely exactly. agree with you. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And when we talk about diversity and inclusion, it's not about any special treatment for any. I'm not looking to be treated extra special because I'm a woman. Right? I can pull my weight. I'm in there. I, I, we just should get rid of any um, inherent bias that may be there to ensure that the environment is fully diverse and inclusive. But I don't think there's any need to worry about uh, going the other extreme. And uh, when I say worry about, there's no need to go to the other extreme. Is how I would think about it. I don't know. Maybe that's so you're basically, if I can, I just let me just paraphrase for understanding and tell me if I have understood you. Um, are you basically saying that should all be merit-driven to some extent versus the fact 
um, like there's preferences to certain, let's say, so in India, for example, the whole thing in the education sector where you get preferences if you're from certain castes, right? So are you saying that we shouldn't go that route and it should be all narrative Like what's, what's your take on that? So it depends on the environment, right? So in it, I, since you brought up the Indian education system, um, yes, I do not agree that it should be based on caste, and that's my personal opinion, right? Yeah. Now, yeah. what I do think we should take care of is in India, where there's such a disparity in um, um, uh, in, in the economy, where some people are super rich and some people don't have mm. the opportunity. I do think that creating additional opportunity for people who don't have the opportunity is not a bad thing. It's actually a great thing to do. So, yes. Um, do I believe that in the corporate culture, once you're in, with the, when you're armed with the degrees and the experiences you have, maybe, maybe not, depends on the situation, I would think. But the Indian education, because we brought up that specific example where we have 17, 17 yeah. yeah. from all backgrounds coming in, I think creating opportunity for somebody who doesn't have the opportunity otherwise is a great thing. Does it have to be based on cash? Maybe not. It's, could it be based on... Um, their economic status, other things, um, absolutely, yes. Yeah, the more I'm sort of beginning to deep dive on the topic, um, and lately, I mean, honestly, with this whole Trump thing, this topic of diversity has really just been on my mind, right? I feel like people are just not open to different opinions. That's basically what it comes down to for me. It doesn't matter for progression. However, I, I am of the mindset on the of the merit system that people should progress if they deserve to. That's basically where my take is. I, um, I would completely agree. Yeah. 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 Cool. All right. So we've got two more questions. Um, the next one is, what is the meaning of success to you? <laughs> so throughout my life, I realized what, I mean, what I defined as success kept changing and kept changing constantly. Hmm. And uh, I remember the saying, success is a journey, not a destination. But I started thinking on these lines the last couple of days, saying what success really meant to me, has meant to me in the past and what it means to me now. Um, I, I believe the underlying definition has been the same. I'm, my milestones have been different, and hmm. I call them my successes. But the underlying definition of success has been the same for me. And that's just purely been me meeting my goals. Right. Um, it could be you wanting to hike Everest Space Camp by mm. such thing. Right. Yeah. That's success because it's a milestone you've set for yourself, and you met that milestone. Right. Um, any anything, right? So, for instance, the year that I work for my promo promotion is when that to, to me success is my promotion. Mm. But. It's anything at point where I want to learn something, I wanted to do something. It's about me proving to myself that I'm great at what I do, right? Um, yes. So it's a little I, bit about self. Yeah, go ahead, sorry. I've constantly needed internal validation for myself, mm. of myself. So, and I think proving that to myself has been success, has been, has been defined as success in my head. Remember, I, I mean, please understand, I'm not undermining external validation at all. Um, mm. Like in the corporate environment, your year-end ratings, performance management, promotions, they're all super important. But those things are also goals that I set up for myself. Ultimately, it all boils down to what are my targets for myself, and meeting those targets means success. 
That's all it means to me. So, to some extent, you're competing with yourself. To a large extent, I'm competing with myself, right? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, that's a great way to think about it. Thank you. Um, and lastly, what advice would you give your younger self? Oh man, I was a brash, impulsive <laughs> uh, <functional> younger self. <laughs> it had to, okay, if it had to be one thing, um, oh, it can be more than one thing. Don't worry, you can go as long as you want here on how much advice you want to give yourself. <laughs> I don't think you want your podcast to last that long. <laughs> but to be fair, uh, all right. So, and I'm and I'm restricting my uh, answers with, with respect to my career or corporate experiences at this point. Um, okay. But to my younger self, one of the uh, one of the things, if I had to do this again, is I would be more deliberate about the people I want to work for and with. Okay. Um, so I realized over time that. You can have awesome work. Your work may be awesome, but working for a mediocre leadership is harder to handle than ordinary work and great people. Mm-hmm. Um, my younger self had a feeling of invincibility, where I truly believed, truly, truly believed, external factors did not matter. I was confident, and I said I was brash. Uh, I thought I could handle handle it all. Doesn't matter. Whatever kind of work people. Thankfully, it worked well most of the time. But being more deliberate about the choices would have, uh, I think, minimized some of the heartburn that I've had to suffer through the process. Hmm. Um, and maybe um, my path may have been a little different, a little uh, more strategic. It could, I mean, there's there's so many ifs and buts here, right? Uh, but I think it's it's with time and experience that I realized that. Working with the kind of people I like uh, is not, does matter. I, I mean, your work absolutely matters. I'm not undermining the importance and importance of forward-leaning work that you want to learn to keep up with the changing technologies and changing strategies in the world. Uh, but I wouldn't compromise on the quality of people that I work with, the quality of leadership I work for. Um, for that, is my is what I would. Is what I've learned, and that's probably what I would tell my younger self. Yeah, and and that's just great advice, and it is one that you probably just learn through it, right? So it takes a while. You you need to go to bad managers to really appreciate the good ones to some extent. Yes, I would yeah. agree with that. And now, um, framing the question to be non-corporate, if you were to give advice to your non-corporate self, what would that be? <laughs> where I was I either wanted to watch TV or play with 
great sports. I didn't want to. I didn't want great grades. So I had very mediocre grades in undergrad. But once I finished undergrad, I was like, man, I'm not going to make that mistake again. But mm. I became super intense and focused the other way, you know. Um, and this was at the age of 21, where I could have taken a, taken things a little more lightly. Had fun. I had a job. I was working. I was really good at my job. I didn't have to push. How maybe I I don't regret it, but I kind of feel like I should have probably been a been a little more fun loving than I was. I I did a lot of fun things, but I was a little more intense than I needed. So this is eye opening for me. I like I assume that you were the smartest kid in class, wanting extra homework, and like you know I have this. image of you as a teenager which is completely not true <laughs> so i was that way till uh 14 15 maybe okay and then i um kind of went on um um went protesting and so and with my parents saying why should i yeah. what's the point of being the top of class topper and it's so different in my life your life i will not study anymore <laughs> so i had four years of rebel rebellion okay yeah and then i went back on track <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a typical teenager to me that's awesome yeah. that's awesome yeah and then once you were back into the workforce you were crushing it it sounds like yes i was all back to normal thankfully thankfully uh, that worked out very well <laughs> <laughs> but yeah awesome. i was looking for sense that i needed to be i guess at that point yeah so i tried to up the four years of rebellion And going back to what success means to you, sounds like you might have had the milestones and you needed to meet them. So I fully understand that. I would think so. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Cool, Arthi. Thank you so much for your time today. This was awesome. I had a lot of fun. I really appreciate yes. it. Yes. I mean, it's always fun talking to Angela. Thank you. <laughs> cool. Awesome. Thank you.